Today's show is brought to you by Appalachian Trials and Pacific Crest Trails. If you're planning for an Appalachian Trail or Pacific Crest Trail through hike, or know someone who is, these books are a must-have resource. While other tools prepare hikers for the logistical part of a through hike, they fail to ready hikers for the most difficult aspect of a half-year backpacking trip, the psychological and emotional struggle. Appalachian Trials and Pacific Crest Trials are both written specifically to ready a hiker's mind for this life-changing journey. I've received countless messages, emails, and personal thanks from former thru-hikers who have cited one of these two books as a key to their success. Whether you're planning for a thru-hike, are on the fence of whether you want to commit to one, or are supporting a loved one on the trail, these books have proven to be an invaluable resource time and time again. Check out the show notes for direct links to both of these books. So my question to you listeners is, have we made achieving a thru-hike too easy? Welcome back to Trail Correspondence, presented by The Trek. I am your host, Zach Badger Davis. In a previous episode, our first group of hikers weighed in on a wide array of subjects from their thru-hikes. Today's episode comes from the PCT and CDT, and with it being a high snow year on both trails, much of the subject matter of these recordings will stay within a much tighter confine. Given a blank slate, the vast majority of our correspondents felt compelled to share how the high snow has impacted their hikes. For those considering taking on a thru-hike in the future, I strongly encourage you to listen closely to this episode, as many underestimate the impact of a heavy snow year. For those who listen to Backpacker Radio, you may recall in the intro of episode 32, Chance and I offer this disclaimer to 2019 PCT hikers, encouraging people to at least consider a southbound thru-hike. In the rare chance this subject isn't of interest, I still encourage you to stick around, as this is not the only subject tackled on today's show. Dosu's submission in particular might rouse some interesting debate. In this episode, you'll hear from Karthika, Laura, Julie, Eric and Allison, our brother-sister duo, Angie, Dosu, and Sarah D. Here it is. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. This is Karthike and Adendla, currently reporting from Bishop, Hostel, California. And it's my day 59 on the trail. I took two zeros here, and we're leaving onto the trail back again t- today afternoon. So, today's topic, I would like to touch the most sensitive one, which is the Sierras, because there's a lot of fear mongering going on at the moment. And right now, I'm sitting with my friends Stardust and Sombrero. Me and Sombrero have the similar perspectives, but Stardust is a little different. So that's how I'm thinking to make it more interesting by interviewing these guys. When I first thought about the Sierras, actually that I knew that was the best part of the trail. So I was really excited to go into it. Having a mountaineering background and a little bit experience, I was never afraid of it. I was super stoked on climbing up the mountains and getting down and glissading and everything. But I've seen a lot of fear going on people, people flipping all the time and anxiety and everything. So right now I'm with Stardust. Hi. Hey. I'm Stardust. So uh, she got a little nervous on the day before we decided to climb Mount Whitney. 
and i personally think that was because of the other people behind her so what's your take on that when you heard about people who are asking about the crampons and everything um well it definitely freaked me out because i only have micro spikes and i've only used them once before this trip um so i didn't really know what to expect um i'm from the northeast so i know snow but this is a kind of different animal out here um and higher mountains than i'm used to mm-hmm. uh, with elevations and stuff and i just didn't really know what to expect and i have very high anxiety to begin with and it just kind of was spiraling out of control the days um getting into the sierras leading up to whitney and seeing um in my eyes more experienced hikers or at least the way they are talking um and seeing them with all this special gear and crampons and that they were going to be meeting up with German mountaineers to go up Whitney was definitely freaking me out and I was losing sleep for the the days leading leading up to it and so how did you feel when you were actually doing it when you were up on the mountain climbing um, up to the summit I mean I like that we left during the day um so I could see around me and it it was pretty calming honestly to see where I was going and what I was doing and I was gaining confidence just as I was doing it because it it really wasn't as bad as I thought and you just take it slow and kind of feed into your your instinct and what you yeah. can handle and yeah. just go just slow face and your fears yeah um because I didn't want I wanted to do it I had my heart set on Whitney so I didn't want to be held back and I felt that the group that the group of us was very was very supportive and and going about it and i felt safe i mean there were parts that were sketchy but for the most part was felt safe yeah so. yeah so again after whitney there was a little bit of fear mongering going on on the forester pass as well mm-hmm. so now when you compare those two what do you think was easier or harder the pass wise or i i feel that the forester was easier cuz i just I I think Whitney just gave me a new sense of what I could accomplish and can handle and mm-hmm. um we also Appreciate did forester at a different time of day which helped but I feel that I was a little less nervous going into that and yeah. um definitely felt that it was doable and got to the top and felt like I can enjoy it more because I wasn't as anxious leading up to it so Yeah yeah that's good good to yeah. know and i really look forward to have more fun in the passes from here yeah. on actually yeah no more fear yep <laughs> all right so thank you sardust yeah thank you and now my friend sombrero Hi, he's guys. a snowboarding instructor in europe mhm and we both were having lots of fun on the mountain yeah i was trying to lead on the whitney a little bit and the forester as well and after me uh, i'm in the group that i've been hiking with i found somrero to be like super comfortable on the snow so when you when you heard about all the fear that's going on and people flipping what do you think about it mm it didn't really affected me i was really looking forward to go into the snow um yeah as uh gulliver said i worked four seasons in austria so i know what it is to walk in snow um everybody was going out with spikes and ice axes and i saw they were 
But you went on were like uh, they were not walking as comfortable as they did the whole way because now you change shoe wise and you put away your hiking poles um, and you're walking with your ice axe which is more safe but it was way more uncomfortable how I saw people walking mm. I didn't put my micro spikes on on Whitney mm. and I only used my trekking poles so uh, you climbed the whole Whitney without spikes yeah that's awesome yeah, yeah. yeah. You actually don't really need it because it's a good trail leading up to the summit and one, and all the footprints are there. You can literally follow that. Yeah. I really don't think there's anything dangerous up there. I didn't feel any no danger or... And that's maybe sometimes a bad thing because, well, fear is a bad thing as well. Uh, mm. But it's also... Mm, like you have to be confident. I was confident on Whitney. I was confident on Forrester Pass. Mm. Um, yeah, the more... And I started skiing down on the forest yeah, passes everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And even on the Whitney, that was super cool. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think of the river crossings? Uh, so far, so good. I think uh, the last three river crossings, there, I was more afraid of the cold than that I will slip in the river. Um, as long as you're with a big group, everybody's very supportive, helping each other, carrying backpacks for people who are maybe shorter or lighter or a little bit weaker. But I saw... Uh, people age of 68 going through the river very confident and was helping out other people so I think so far uh, it's all pretty doable Um, I got some friends who were sending me texts a week before that Whitney was very dangerous the river crossings are very dangerous Mm, so far I didn't saw any big dangerous rivers where we have to cross through I think if you just walk up a mile, a mile down. There's a lot of you information you've got. To to, you will find a place, a log or a rocks or yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Sombrero. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. So that's pretty much what's happening in the Sierras at the moment. And if anyone's interested, I really encourage you to go through the mountains, no matter what. Don't listen to others. Don't worry about the fear. Take your time. It's totally doable. And form a good team and just have fun. The Sierras are more beautiful with lots of snow. Trust me. Thank you, guys. Scott Kenadenla signing off. Hello, everybody. This is Carjack here, and I am reporting to you from the town of Packwood, Washington, which is near White Pass at about 358 miles south of the Canadian border on the PCT. And uh, yeah, things have changed a little since I last recorded. I've been way overdue with updating you all on where I've been and what I've been doing. I think the last time I recorded was in Tehachapi in Southern California, and obviously a lot's happened since then because I'm now up in Washington. And today's assignment is um, a wildcard assignment. I can talk about whatever I want, but I think I can probably use the time just sort of updating you with what's been going on. So um, yeah, last I reported was in Tehachapi. We were heading north toward the southern Sierra Nevada where there's been lots of snow and the snow is really just starting to melt and the rivers were just starting to get high. And I am not... uh, mountaineering 
you know, winter snow savvy person. I've never used an ice axe. I did not feel comfortable going into the Sierra. Um, although lots of my friends that I know have done it and they've killed it and they've been amazing. Um, but I just did not feel like that was going to be the best option for me. And most of my trail family agreed. And so by the time we got up to, um, Kennedy Meadows, we were pretty much unanimous that we were going to flip up to the Canadian border. And there have been lots and lots of PCT hikers that have flipped up various places. Lots have come up to the Canadian border. So we actually hiked up to Lone Pine, so about 50 miles north of Kennedy Meadows. Um, Saw the beginning of the Sierra and it was absolutely beautiful and I'm so excited to go back there. And then we all kind of divided up and went our various ways for almost a week. I went to um, a relative in Sacramento and just sort of regrouped and, you know, repaired some gear and cleaned up and got my resupply packages organized for Washington and then flew up to Seattle. And all of us, there were about eight of us, um, five of us in our little group and then three others. And then one other girl was joining us in a couple days. So we kind of regrouped in Seattle and my dad actually, uh, flew down to Seattle with my stepmom and rented a big SUV and drove us to Hearts Pass in, um, in Washington, which was amazing. And it was really fun. So we, um, yeah, went from Hearts Pass, obviously starting from the northern terminus. You can't go in there from Canada. So we had to go north 30 miles from Hearts Pass and then south, continuing the trail south. And um, it's actually funny that kind of one of the motivations for wanting to flip with my group was that I really wanted to stick with my trail family. And we were pretty pretty big group really about eight yeah like I said eight to ten of us kind of loosely and it's funny because I haven't seen any of my trail family since about day two coming up here um so it's definitely been a bit of a different hike so I was hiking with one other guy uh, until recently but the rest of them kind of got ahead of us and I just had this just feeling that I didn't want to rush through Washington. And I was just feeling like it's such a cliche, but I felt like I did want to just hike my own hike. I wanted to hike the number of miles I wanted to hike in a day. I wanted to rest when I wanted to rest. And I'd been hiking with this group for hundreds and hundreds of miles and love them. And I miss them, but I just felt like I was getting tired of always trying to catch up to other people. And I'm not the fastest hiker in the group at all. I was one of the slower ones. And I just kind of thought, you know, what if I just stopped trying to keep up and just did my own thing? And it was a huge relief to make that decision to just do my own thing. So, um, yeah, since about day two in Washington, um, I've been mostly on my own. I was with one other hiker for a while, but then he decided he wanted to go a little bit faster. So he's moved on and I've been mostly on my own. So I really couldn't be, or the experience couldn't be more different from the experience hiking in Southern California with the huge herd of, of PCT hikers constantly being around other people. It felt like, you know, roving summer camp. And then up in Washington, I can go the whole day without seeing anyone. I've camped by myself most of the time. Um, There are definitely other hikers up here, but I've kind of got myself in between um, like two little bubbles of hikers. So I really hardly see any other hikers. Um, I, I run into a fair number of like weekend backpackers and sometimes day hikers near trailheads, but, and then, you know, the odd time 
other through hikers, but it's definitely a hugely different experience. And I'm, it's not a bad experience. It's, it's nice. I'm getting way more solitude, um, just way more time with my own thoughts. I do really like camping by myself. Um, but I do miss my trail family a lot. So who knows? I'm just, I'm having to just trust a little bit that if I'm meant to hike with them again, then I will intersect with them, but I'm not going to kill myself and, uh, you know, push it to, to meet up with them. They're a few days ahead now. I don't think I could catch them unless they decide to take some extra time off. Um, they're hiking pretty, pretty big miles and, I, my mileage has dropped a little bit since I've been in Washington. I was doing, you know, up to 28 miles in Southern California. And here I've been, my biggest day in Washington, I think has been 25 mile, miles and I'm more in the 22 or 23 mile per day range. So yeah, it's been beautiful up here. Washington is so spectacularly gorgeous. It's been really rainy and wet. That's been a bit of a drag, but uh, the next section is supposed to be pretty sunny. I'm heading into Goat Rocks Wilderness. I should be doing the knife edge actually later today, so I'm pretty pumped to get back out there. Um, My body's hurting a bit. I'm going to talk about that a little bit in the next recording, but (coughs) excuse me. Um, Yeah, things have been been pretty awesome. So yeah, I'm about 1100 miles into my hike now and it's hard to believe that it's still not even halfway, but, um, yeah, looking forward to the next phase. So we'll talk to you soon. And I promise I won't wait so long next time to do another recording. Talk to you soon. Bye. Hey, Backpacker Radio. Um, This is Ark, and I am talking to you from mile 702 on the PCT. Um, I have made it to Kennedy Meadows, which is awesome. It was a huge, like, very cool feeling um, walking into here. Um, It is day 59 for me, so um, it's, I don't know the date, June 9th, maybe? Um, So um, today I'm going to talk to you guys a little bit about um, what's coming up for us regarding the High high Sierra. So I know this doesn't really apply to um, AT hikers, but it definitely applies to PCT hikers and even CDT hikers um, in a high snow year. Um, Sorry, there's a car. Hang on. And so it's kind of the biggest thing on my mind right now. So I wanted to kind of talk through like what I'm planning to do and why I'm making that decision. Um, Not that my decision's right or that I am an expert, but maybe, you know, just some of my thoughts might resonate with other people and just give you some things that you need to think about if you try to do the PCT in a high snow year. So um, so the first thing I want to talk about just a little bit is why the high snow and the high Sierra, um, or the snow everywhere, that part of the problem right now is that there's lots of snow all over the trail, not just in the high Sierra. Um, the things that make it dangerous are, number one, um, snow is just, if, if you're on steep snow, it's harder to hike and it's really much easier to slip and fall. So that was something I really didn't understand coming from Illinois because I hike on snow in Illinois and it's flat and I'm like, I don't get it. What is the big deal? Like you just go through it. Well, when you're hiking on like a mountain and it's a really steep traverse um, and you slip, you're going to fall really far and it's very dangerous. So I'm sure other people like that's inherent, like you get that, but I didn't really get it until I did some of the snow hiking on Mount Baden-Powell and um, Mount Jacinto. Um, The other thing that's really dangerous in the high snow year, which is probably actually even more dangerous, is uh, the river crossings. Um, That's actually how two women died in 2017, which was horribly tragic. Um, We've heard that the snow melt has, has 
begun rapidly in the Sierra and the river crossings are already high. Um, and that, um, so that's also a concern. So, um, my group is actually deciding to flip. Um, the other reason that we're deciding to flip is not only because of the snow dangers, actually the other folks in my group are fine with snow. They're from Washington. And so they have lots of snow experience. Um, I'm the only one that doesn't really, but, um, the reason, the other reason that we're really, um, pro have decided that we're going to flip right now is because of the potential for a bad fire season in Washington. So Washington only got 65% of its snowpack, which means it's going to be a dry, hot summer up there. And so they already actually have wildfires burning. So when we were kind of weighing both of those things, like the snow plus Washington, potential for fire, um, we that's kind of how we came to the decision. We're, we're all very excited to do Washington and we, we don't want to miss it and we don't want to have to do it in smoke. Um, like I know some people had to do Oregon in smoke last year because there were so many fires. Um, so we, that's why we've decided to flip. Um, the other thing is really like, I don't know that I'll ever get to do the high Sierra again. And if I got to choose between doing it in the snow and not doing it in the snow, I would choose to not do it in the snow. So this just works into that plan. Um, so, you know, there is no right answer. Everyone on trail is doing something different and has a different plan. And depending on your experience level and your tolerance for risk, you know, you should never let other people kind of make decisions for you. You have to do a ton of research on your own, um, and decide what's best for you. But, um, you have to be flexible, like doing the PCT in a high snow year, you have to be flexible, you have to be smart. Um, and I think you have to be willing to, you know, if like in our case, you know, be willing to do a flip if that's what you need to do to get through the whole trail. Um, the biggest downside about all this flipping though, is that, um, lots of people are getting sort of split up. So, you know, at this point I've kind of been in the same bubble for 700 miles. I've been with the same people. They're awesome. We have so much fun together and it's kind of all breaking apart here in Kennedy Meadows because some people are flipping, some people are going through and that's a really big bummer, but I'm hoping, you know, there are cool people everywhere. So I'm sure when we flip to Washington, we'll meet people and then it'll be really fun as we come southbound, um, to, um, potentially meet other hikers. So we're actually not going all the way to the terminus. We're going to Snoqualmie Pass and going to hike south from there and then finish um, back here in actually in Lone Pine. We're going to hike from Kennedy Meadows to Lone Pine. Um, and then we're going to flip back up so that we can finish hopefully the last two mile, 200 miles of the northern terminus. So again, everyone has different plans. You know, there are pros and cons to all of them. Um, but that's mine. And those are kind of the considerations that I thought about. So um, I'm doing good. I My body feels great. I feel like it took longer for me to get my trail legs than um, maybe some other people. Like it was a solid like five weeks before I really felt like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I'm rocking this. But my feet have gotten on board. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited to keep going. So um, it's great. You know, again, anyone who's considering doing the PCT, I highly recommend it. It's just, it's been an amazing experience so far. So, all right, you guys, I'll check in, um, on our next episode. I hope everyone's doing great. Hey, this is Allison. And this is Eric. We are at mile, what mile? 1286. 1286 on day... 56. 56. And today is the wild card episode. So we're actually going to use part of the episode telling you guys why we decided to flip way up north. Because we yeah. were just in Kenny Meadows, which is mile 702. 
uh, like a week ago. Yeah, so, so we didn't actually hike to 1286. No. <laughs> <laughs> but because it's such a big snow year for the PCT this year, um, we decided to flip up north to Belden and then hike north from Belden to the Canadian border or somewhere up north and then flip back down and do the Sierras uh, as kind of like the big grand finale this year. So Yeah, because I think they'll be beautiful in like August or September. Yeah. And scary now. I think so. Um, So you want to talk about some of the pros and cons of that? Yeah. So um, a pro would be, you know, skipping the the worst of the Sierras, even though seeing pictures, they're beautiful. Um, I think just the rivers and the snow, it's it's too much. Um, And so I think skipping north um, and getting we're still in snow or we will be in snow. Um, but not as much. Um, so I think there's a big pro to that and potentially ending earlier in August and then seeing how we feel, um, how the budgets are doing for the Sierras um, in September, I think is a, a, a pro. Um, we, can, we don't have to race to finish. We have that option to finish early and just come back to the Sierras whenever. Um, so I think that's a pro, honestly. Um, a con would be we're making this pretty complicated. We took a week off, um, which I am now sick, um, but getting over a cold. But um, yeah, it's going to be a little rough getting back onto the trail after a week off, I think. Eh, I'm ready for it. Yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if my body's ready for it. <laughs> um. Yeah, it, it's it's a little disappointing uh, flipping up north instead of making a continuous track yeah. along the trail and continuous like one kind of south to north motion. Yeah. Um, so that's a little bit disappointing, but at the same time, that's only a single measure of success. There are so many other measures of success you could go by while out on the trail. So it doesn't really necessarily get in the way of my goals um, right. per se by just flipping up north but um there's still tremendous amounts of beautiful trail ahead of us and like the sierras are right still going to be there it's just not kind of doing it in the traditional order right. so it's a little disappointing but yeah. it's not the worst thing in the world and yeah we comfortably came to agreement that this was the best decision for us so if you're hiking with another person like it's always good to kind of consider all factors and come up as a group decision right which that being said really quickly um our trail family kind of all decided to do something different so we're not hiking with them yeah, anymore yeah that's definitely a but con yeah, i miss them a, that, that'd be my big con yeah um yeah but we can jump to something a little bit different for the rest of this wild card episode and my sister and i put together a little list of tips for hiking with a sibling <laughs> all right start yeah. us off okay um, so I don't know if you want to go back and forth with these tips or I'll just say my first one. Okay. Um, so I think the biggest thing for us is to give each other space during the day. Um, we camp every night together, um, and we generally hike more or less together and we take our breaks together, but we also kind of give each other space. Like if you hike faster, that's fine. You're not going to wait up for me. Yeah. If I hike faster, that's fine. I'm not going to always wait up for you. Yeah. I think the longest we've been apart during the day has been like maybe two or three hours. And 
that seems yeah. comfortable. Like, yeah, I think that's <laughs> fine. Yeah, the last stretch to Kennedy Meadows was actually the first time we hiked completely alone for the yeah. entire day. Yeah. Um, and that was... It was nice, but it was weird yeah. as well. It's like, when do I take lunch? I have no one to <laughs> consult with. So it was kind of kind of strange to hike totally alone. Yeah. On that day. We're usually only about like twenty minutes apart though. Yeah, so. we're really not that far apart. Um all right, so I have have their back no matter what. Uh, uh, yeah. So like if <laughs> Allison gets freaked out by a thunderstorm, kinda Which figured, I do. Yes, which happens. Like <laughs> <laughs> uh, we gotta just have to figure it out together and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I kind of have like kind of the same thing like anticipate each other's needs oh that's good um, that's a good way of putting it too yeah. yeah yeah so you know I get freaked out by thunderstorms so if you see dark clouds forming you you kind of already have it in your mind like okay Allison might be yeah. freaking out a little like yeah. we might have to stop yeah um, and you know I hate hiking with a headlamp so I hate waking up before the sun's up right <laughs> right so that just means I get to sleep in a little if we yeah. want to start our day together exactly. so yeah yeah, not All right. too bad. <laughs> I have promise mom uh, you're not going to fall off a cliff or get fed to a den of rattlesnakes. So yeah. that one's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> Give mom some comfort yeah, there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, this is kind of like on the same lines, but be willing to compromise. I know we've had a lot of days where it's like, I want to hike 20 odd miles and you want to hike less than that or vice versa and so we usually like find a good compromise like okay how much can we both reasonably do can i do a little more can you do a little less is that okay yeah it works out (laughs) yeah yeah and then see how the next day goes all right my next one is make sure your prank my prank outdoes your prank um, I can't talk too much about this because oh, some God. of them haven't been unveiled yet. Oh, no. So stay tuned. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, I'm checking my backpack for rocks. So Yeah, the rocks haven't been introduced those, those yet. Those have not been in there. Um, lastly, which pretty much goes along the lines with everything I've said, is bring extra snacks for a hungry brother. Oh, that's good. That's yeah, good. Yeah, I always give you extra snacks, and I always anticipate that you're going to need that extra bar yeah, I on get a, day five. I get a little grumpy sometimes when Just I'm Just a little. Yeah. yeah, you gotta have <laughs> your extra coffee or extra snack. Yeah. <laughs> um, mine's re- last one's really simple and kind of plays off a few of the other ones we said, but just make decisions together. Like, yeah. our decision to flip up north, like, uh, we were both disappointed in it, but, I mean, it's easier in some regards to stomach a decision when you make it together than if, yeah. say, I was deciding to flip up north by myself, I'd be, I don't know, I think that'd be tougher. But Yeah, yeah. I think because we were both came to terms, came to terms with this um, decision, it was easier. And we kind of had support and friends along the way that could help us out, pick us up, yeah. um, let us stay places. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's worked out, so. Uh, that's all I have for today. Yeah, I think that's it. All right. Till next time, guys. Bye, guys. Bye. Hey, everybody. This is Siren from Michigan, and I am reporting in from Tehachapi, California again. Uh, I made it to mile 700, I made it to Kennedy Meadows, and now I'm back in Tehachapi. And I'll talk a little bit more about that because today's wildcard episode, I want to talk about change.
Uh, because change is inevitable and it happens all the time on trail. And uh, I work in theater. I talked about that in the beginning. And my boss is often heard saying that the most successful people in our industry are those who are most adaptable to change. And the first time I heard him say that, I really held on to it because I feel like it's important in everything. And while I may not always adopt that idea because it's easier said than done it's a really good reminder and I try to stick with that and I try to keep it with me all the time and it's really important out here because things change all the time Um, even all the previous episodes that I've recorded while I responded truthfully and in the moment I think if I recorded them now a lot of them would be just a little bit different because a lot has happened in that time and you know reality versus expectations um I there's some part of me that feels like this is what I thought it would be, but there's plenty of things I didn't expect. I expected to have time to think through things and process through things and, you know, uh, vlog for the trek, <laughs> which I was really excited about doing. Uh, and, and I've only made one really terrible video in the two months I've been out here um, because the business of hiking takes more time than I realized. Uh, you know, you wake up in the morning, you pack up camp, you eat, you walk, you plan out sort, you know, water sources and places to stop, you filter water, you eat some more, you have to set up camp for the night, eat again, go to sleep. You know, I try to stretch out, I try to roll out, um, I journal a little bit, and then you wake up and you do it again the next day. And it's, you know, I hike anywhere from 10 to 12 hours a day. And so there isn't a lot of time left. And when there is time, I find, you know, I'm spending it with the people that I'm with. Um, I'm trying to be present. And so it's interesting to try to divide that time. Um, And I haven't really quite mastered rest days either. I'm two months in and I'm still figuring out how to take care of myself and resupply and be considerate of other people's time. And, you know, it's very, it's a very interesting balance out here. But, um, Yeah, gear definitely has changed a lot because the weather changes all the time. Um, You know, I feel like I had a lot of people, not a lot of people, but plenty of people who have hiked this trail before or know people who have hiked this trail had very specific advice. And a lot of it doesn't really apply to a different year because weather plays a huge role in everything. And it's been a huge snow year, which has affected everything, even in the desert. Um, You know, when I started, it was really hot. And then within the first week, uh, it rained a bunch. It hailed, it snowed, it got below freezing. um, And I had to switch out gear that I didn't know that I was going to need in Southern California. Uh, And then by the time I got it all settled and worked out, it got really hot again. And so I had to switch things out. And so, you know, learning to be patient with having to switch things out when you have to return things through the mail and you can't get to a store and you're relying on other people. And, um, that can be a very challenging experience and you have to be very patient and know that things might not work out and you are probably going to spend more money than you have to get it worked out. Um, I'm super thankful for the customer services of so many of the businesses I've been working with because, um, because without them, I would be, (laughs) I would be so irritated. Um, but yeah, switching out gear has been a necessary thing and it's just going to continue from here. I know it. Um, 
My diet has stayed relatively consistent since that episode, but I am eating more and I am definitely realizing that I'm eating way too much when I head into town. I can probably probably take it easy (laughs) with the eating in town. Um, But I have picked up some different snacks and some different things. So yeah, it has changed. It totally has changed. Definitely. Um, And the groups... I, that was a, it was an interesting thing to do to record that episode because I did it with, um, with jailbreak and I hadn't recorded anything with anybody else before. And it was awesome to hear his side of things and from his perspective. Um, uh, but I found that I was very superficially answering those questions. And the truth is that like group dynamics are so personal. And I talked about how the the two of the people that I started walking with in the very beginning we hadn't been with in weeks because somebody took a wrong turn you know the machine nam the machine uh took a local trail on accident and stoic turned around to look for her and pep talk and I waited for them and when we finally got signal they sent us word that they were behind and that we should keep going and we just we they never caught up um nam had to get off trail to let an old injury heal and stoic went with her so we hadn't seen them in weeks and so pep talk and i met up with other people we leapfrogged a bunch of different groups and made some really wonderful friends and um we've connected with a couple other people that we've been hiking with pretty consistently and that's been great um but people change all the time um which leads me to like the biggest thing which is the plan uh my plan was to hike the pct nobo from the Mexican border to the Canadian border. And, um, and that's changing, um, with the high snow year and the risks going through the Sierras. Um, I've decided that I'm going to flip up into Washington at the Northern terminus and hike South. And right now the plan is to finish the trail South, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, and I'm super thankful that the people I've been hiking with have decided to do that as well. So, um, Myself, Pep Talk, Dad Jokes, and Chef have all decided to to head up to Washington. So um, we had an amazing trail angel in Tehachapi when we were here the first time, and she graciously came and picked us up from Kennedy Meadows and has hosted us for a few days while we get our ourselves together. And we'll take a bus to Bakersfield tomorrow, rent a car, and drive up to Washington so that we can hit the trail going south. Um It was certainly not expected. I knew it would be possible and I have been thinking about it, you know, since before I started, but, um, but it wasn't the plan. And so now it is the plan. And, and I do think that the most successful people on trail are those who are most adaptable to change. And I try to remind myself that every day. So you got to do what works for you. And I really struggled with the flipping decision because I wanted them to come with me and I didn't know if they were going to. And I'm really glad that they are. So change. It's inevitable. And I am learning to be adaptable to that. Uh, So the next time that you hear from me, um, I will be hiking Sobo, starting at the Northern Terminus. Um, Have a great day and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Ha! Ha! Ha!
What's up Trekkers, Dosu here, coming at you from mile 1294 of the Continental Divide Trail. Today is day 54 for me, and yesterday I summited Gray's Peak, which was the highest point on the Continental Divide Trail, so technically it's all downhill to Canada from here. So today's episode, we're doing wildcard episodes, and in true wildcard fashion, I'm going to switch it up a little bit and make this a bit more interactive. Uh, I'm going to ask a question that has been on my mind and ask that you all uh, reach out to me on social media and uh, tell me your thoughts on it. So my question to you listeners is, have we made achieving a thru-hike too easy? And what I mean by this question is that as a thru-hiking society, uh, it has become much more commonplace for hikers to yellow blaze, blue blaze, and flip-flop. The old adage of hike your own hike has changed from hiking your own pace and using the gear that suits you to, to I'm going to do whatever I want, so mind your own business. For those of you who don't know what yellow blazing means, it means to skip miles such as hitchhiking a section. Blue blazing means taking an alternate route, and not the official trail. And flip-flopping is when you jump to another section of the trail and hike in a different direction. Uh, it's often used to uh, circumnavigate bad trail conditions without having to do an alternate. So I'll give you some examples that I've witnessed myself over the course of doing the Appalachian Trail, the Pacific Crest Trail, and what I've done so far on the CDT. So when I was hiking the Appalachian Trail, there was a group of people that were uh, slackpacking the entire Appalachian Trail. So they actually never spent a night on trail. Uh, they did small sections with uh, slackpacks and stayed in hotels every night. Uh, not to mention, they were also start hiking from a road that's going to be mostly downhill and avoid doing most of the elevation gain. So they would flip-flop based on which way would be the easiest for them to just go downhill um, and not have to do any elevation gain. And to me, it just kind of felt like they were cheating. Um, you know, that you never sleep a single night on the trail. You stay in hotels every single night. It's just, it, it feels like it takes away from the actual trail to me. Um, but, you know, they hiked every mile of the trail so who am I to say that it doesn't count, right? Like, it, it does. So it still counts, but did we make it too easy to through-hike the Appalachian Trail if you have never have to spend a night outside? Fast forward to 2017 on the Pacific Crest Trail. Uh, you know, epic snow year. We had uh, so much snow in the Sierra, and a lot of people flipped up and came back down when the snow was gone. Um, and a lot of people flipped up and then kept hiking towards uh, Canada and decided that, that, you know, oh, we'll go back and hike that section of the Sierra once I finish in Canada. And then a lot of people never actually went back and hiked that section. But then I noticed on Facebook and social media that Everyone still got their certificate and tells everybody that they threw hiked the PCT. But, you know, you threw hiked the PCT, but you, you never ended up doing the Sierra. Like, you skipped the entire Sierra. And that's, like, a gorgeous section. Like, 
but you know you yellow blaze that entire section and um, you still say that you completed it and we that's as common this was very common in 2017 keep in mind that I don't consider uh, like going around a fire where the trails actually closed as yellow blazing that's you know that trails closed that's that but the Sierra wasn't closed people just didn't want to hike in the snow now let's fast forward again to my time here on the content to divide trail um, the Continental Divide Trail, if you don't know, there's a lot of road walking to it. Um, it's hot, the pavement's hot, your feet swell, it's no fun. That being said, we all take on the challenge of the Continental Divide Trail, knowing full well that there are these road walks. It's not like it's a surprise with the snow, like, oh, all of a sudden my plans have changed because of the snow. You know those road walks are there, they're part of the trail. But it is very uncommon for hikers this year to uh, do any of those road walks. In fact, I notice a lot of hikers uh, this year will actually take an alternate that has a road walk and then hitch that road walk section. So they're skipping the actual trail to do an, a blue blaze, an alternate of the CDT that has a road walk, but then they skip the road walk part when they could be hiking on perfectly good trail anyways. I was actually hiking with, and I'm good friends with a couple of people who, uh, they're not even to Wyoming yet and have skipped over 250 miles, but still consider themselves through hiking the Continental Divide Trail. Now, yellow blazing aside, there's a lot of people who are also uh, flip-flopping this year. Um, people have flip-flopped up to the Great Basin, and started hiking south to Colorado to try to avoid some snow, um, hit snow in Colorado, have flip-flopped again up into uh, Montana, and it kind of gets to the point where you kind of wonder, like, are we making this too easy for ourselves? You know, if you're just going to avoid the adversity of the trail, the CDT's motto is embrace the brutality, um, but so many people have not hiked uh, the, the Colorado High Route. Um, you know, they'll do like the Collegiate East or Road Walk Down um, and follow like little trails to kind of skirt where like down to lower elevation where they don't have to deal with the snow as much out here. And keep in mind the snow really does like, it's, a, it's pretty tough out here. I also want to be clear and say that I've blue blazed quite a bit on the Continental Divide Trail myself. You know, I took the Gila alternate, um, and I took the, uh, or went to Toaster House, that was an alternate as well. I took an alternate, uh, the Creed Cutoff, which cut off the Northern San Juans uh, completely, um, which was just really difficult, and I was worried it would be out of my league. I couldn't find anyone to hike it with me and I was too nervous to do it on my own. That being said, um, I talked to people from other years on the CDT when it wasn't such a high snow year, and they called those people creeders. So um, I'm a creeder, you know? So that makes me wonder, um, you know, that's where I really started thinking about, have we like started making through hiking uh, too easy with, you know, the blue blazing that we do, um, the yellow blazing that some people do, 
and you know the flip-flopping that a lot of people are doing these days to avoid uh, bad weather. So now you've heard some examples from my hikes and uh, I've posed that question to you guys. Do you think that we've made through hiking too easy? And you guys can hit me up on social media. Uh, I'll spell out my name because most people can't even pronounce it. It is D-O-S-U space K-I-N-U-T-A. And, you know, give me your feedback on what you think. And the next wildcard episode that we get to do, uh, I'm going to talk about the feedback that I got from you all. And that's going to be my next wildcard episode is uh, talking about what you guys think about that subject. So this is Dosu signing out and raiding his food bag. Later. This is Sarah Duma. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? And this is day 55 for me on the Continental Divide Trail. And I'm currently in Lander, Wyoming. So I have completed the Great Divide Basin. This basin was uh, pretty flat, um, rather dull, but it did have some highlights like all the pronghorns. Those are those antelope looking creatures that are kind of like they're related to giraffes and they're the the world's second fastest land animal I believe and they were uh, bouncing around and running around as I was hiking and that was pretty much my only entertainment during that very long dry flat stretch anyhow uh, today I'm going to be talking about flip-flopping on the Continental Divide Trail. So this has been a crazy, crazy year because of the Colorado snowpack. You know, nobody can predict ahead of time what's going to happen with the weather. So a lot of people, um, they're making arrangements, getting leaves of absences from their work. They're um, maybe breaking up relationships. They're putting their stuff in storage. They're selling their houses, selling their cars. Like they're committing themselves to a full... Um, six month adventure and they they just hope for the best with the weather that they're going to be able to make it through. Well, 2019 had different plans for everyone. Uh, some of the snowpack in Cal- Colorado is like 1,400% of normal. That is absolutely, absolutely insane. So um, one of the main problems with this is you it, it is very, very difficult to have a continuous through hike that doesn't become an exercise in mountaineering. Now, there are some people, <clears throat> dosu, who um, can make it through all that snow and, you know, they're they're going balls to the wall and big props to them. Uh, but for me, that's not really what I signed up for on this through hike. I want to have, uh, an enjoyable time kind of, uh, walking and seeing wildlife, seeing green, seeing the feature, the geology features and not have everything being buried by snow. Also, it's, it's totally, totally dangerous. You not only have um, the snow risk with cornices and hypothermia, but you also have some really sketchy high river crossings. So I think I made uh, the right decision definitely to come up to the basin. And my hope was by 
by the time I finished the basin, the snow in Colorado would be manageable enough for me to make it through. Uh, the San Juan Mountains um, are some of the most epic hiking in the United States, and I really, really want to do the high route. Unfortunately, uh, not enough snow is melted, so that would not be a possibility. So I've had to make the really, really difficult decision of leaving behind my trail family and instead uh, going home to Canada for two weeks uh, to wait out some of the Montana snow and then flipping to the Canadian border. And uh, of course, you know, my trail family, they're like, no, no, Carmen, just come with us. You can make it through. And, you know, I, I, I'm sure I could make it through. I don't think I would die, but I just really don't think I would enjoy it. And part of the reason why I'm doing hikes like this is because you only have one life to live and you want to live it to the fullest. And I think if I made myself struggle through Colorado, I would just be hating life and it would totally turn me off hiking and give me just a really bad impression of the Continental Divide Trail. Because the people who are hiking through, they're taking a lot of low route alternatives and they're doing a lot of road walking, highway walking, and quite frankly, they're just kind of hitching around places. And that, they may still be going continuously in a northbound direction, but to me, that is definitely not what a through hike is. Uh, some people might criticize me saying, oh, you're taking like an easy way out kind of cherry pick picking the sections that you want to do at the time of year. But why the hell not? Like, is there some kind of like big boss out there with rules saying this is how you must through hike to be a through hiker? No, I don't think so. When I was on the PCT, I did a flip as well. Last year, I arrived in the Sierra in uh, the middle of May, and there are still snowstorms going on. And that was also a dangerous situation. So I flipped up to Ashland, and I walked south. And then I walked through the Sierras in the most epically beautiful time in summer. And it it was some of the best hiking of my life. So I'm hoping that's what's going to happen when I eventually get back to Colorado. Until then, I'm going to be going up to uh, Canada, my home, um, and uh, visiting some friends and family. I have a brand new nephew uh, that's just been born that I'm dying to meet. And then uh, along the way, I'm also going to visit some old trail friends. My friend Lost in Colorado Springs is going to host me before I fly out of Denver. And then uh, my friend Squish in Calgary is going to host me there and take me down to the Waterton Lakes Terminus when I begin my southbound hike. So uh, people out there that haven't walked a through hike before, you know, don't get all caught up on what's going to like what's happening with the snowpack and the weather or the fires, because if you stay flexible and you just you just know you want to be out hiking, you can make do with uh, jumping around if need be. And I see absolutely nothing wrong with it. And if anyone comes down on you for that, tell them to talk to me and I'll st- I'll set them straight. So anyhow, thanks everyone. This is Sarah Duma. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? So say we all live long and prosper. And that's it for today's show. In our next episode, we'll hear all about the physical changes someone goes through over the course of their through hike. 
If you enjoy the show, please do leave us a review on iTunes, as this is a huge help in getting the word out about the show. And don't forget to subscribe to ensure you don't miss future episodes. Today's show was edited by our guy, Polly Boy Shalcross, who is also the genius behind these redonkulous beats. You can keep up with the show on Instagram at Trail Correspondence, on Twitter at ThruHikerPod, and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Trail Correspondence. You can follow me personally on Instagram and Twitter at ZR Davis. You can also get hold of us via email at podcast at thetrek.co. Signing off for now. Happy hiking. <laughs>